Football Podcast. So we'll start off with the news, the sudden news, shock news really in some ways, that Roberto Mancini has resigned as manager of the Italy national team. Um, this is a developing story, so we don't have all the full details um, of uh, exactly why he he left and suddenly resigned as, as Italy coach. So we'll start there. My understanding is that there is a, is a number of issues that, that led to this. Some of them have been brewing for a, for a few months now. There are some issues behind the scenes with his backroom staff. We had Alberico Ivani um, resigning, uh, one of his closest uh, um, assistants resigning uh, in the last few weeks, uh, reportedly over the uh, over a disagreement over a number of issues, but especially over Mancini's uh, reluctance to to um, to to stop playing Leonardo Benucci, who who he, he played in the the Nations League semi-finals to disastrous effect in 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 June, um, and also Mancini reportedly unhappy with some some backroom appointments, which which went without his okay. None of the, this isn't confirmed. These are just uh, these are just reports. Um, and recently we saw, of course, uh, it could be a coincidence. We recently saw Gigi Buffon um, coming in as uh, the replacement to the late Gianluca Vialli. Uh, that was only what a week ago or so. So mm, who knows? Um, we also there's also reports Mancini's tired, tired of of fighting the, the Italian system by himself. Uh, he, he was recently named as the coordinator for all of Italy's various youth teams, um, trying to get a kind of synergy between all the various youth teams from from the young from the very youngest Italian youth teams right up to the senior team, um, and also a couple of other things. First of all, um, the losses to, to two of his dearest friends, Gianluca Vialli and Sinisa Mihailovic, this year, uh, and also we can't show away from it. Um, he has an offer from the Saudi Arabia national team, and I'm sure that has played a role in him making the decision to to actually go ahead and resign. So, Nima, um, first of all, what's your what's your reaction to the resignation, and why do you think it has come to this? Um, I think it's a combination of many things. I think he's been there for a few years. Um, I think he's tired. Um, of fighting and he's tired of things not working the way that he wants. And this isn't, this isn't the first time he's done this. Let's remember when he had enough at Inter that summer as well, um, when he was just exhausted. He was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, you know, he, he'd he been there a couple of years, well, in total four and a half years before leaving, four or five years before leaving. And it's something similar now. He feel, he, he has to feel that things improve behind the behind the scenes for him in order to be able to do his work and he's not he doesn't feel that that's what's happening uh, you know this is not he's not where he was when he took over he's changed in the sense that he wants to he wants to grow he wants the italian football to grow he wants italian football to to improve and and, and they're not improving and they're really not improving um in his in his mind that is um, and, uh, you know, so he, he's got an offer. He's been there for a long time. I, I think it's, it's a combination of many, many things. He's got the Saudi Arabian big money offer. They are, you know, he, if he goes there, he'll have probably have much more power to build something more long-term. Um, 
he's he doesn't seem I know that he he was rumored or I know that there was interest from PSG a year or two ago and he was kind of mulling that over but I think he's kind of in a position now in his career where he wants to work more long term uh, you know uh, with with the national teams and and in order to do so I think Saudi Arabia just maybe offered him a better solution altogether Mm, offered him more money as well let's not forget that I mean we're looking at uh, 18 million a year (laughs) I'm sure that helped him make his decision and he had the of course I mean you look at it like this you you get paid more less stress a more efficient organization you know you have more power people do more you know you get to decide more how you want to work you get paid more you don't have to argue with 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 Syria owners and Syria presidents, and you have to, don't have to argue with FIGC presidents and FIGC's internal structure and and all the politics that goes with that. Um, you know, it's it's just at some point you feel, oh, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Let's go go somewhere mm-hmm. else. Yeah, I think I I think what's underpinning this is definitely his his frustration at being unable to, and we'll come to it and his achievements in a bit, but. He's done an amazing, amazing job in trying, trying, uh, and obviously the winning the Euros in 2020 or 2021 um, was thanks to that. In terms of changing the culture of Italian football, moving away from from many of the backward, outdated um, facets of Italian football, from a just from the style of starting from the style of football, trying to play a positive, um, progressive. Uh, modern type of football as opposed to a defensive low block counter-attacking type of football through to trying to and, and I know this will come to that whether he actually went against that in the end trying to to give more opportunities for youth trying to encourage more more youngsters getting chances um, looking outside the box um, partly by necessity to, to find youngsters like Wilfred Nyonto like Matteo Letigi you know, trying to tr- tr- trying to um, you know uh, change the culture of Italian football, and I think that he become exhausted trying to do that because we've seen many try to do that. Whether it's from an ownership point of view, when we've had foreign owners come in, like American owners, um, to pe- to clubs and trying to build stadiums, or you know all the all the things you know that we complain about in this podcast all the time. Even the simple things like how you market. The league, how you uh, broadcast the league, you know all these things that Italy's so backward in, and that has has a knock on effect um, on everything, including the Italy national team. Um, I think he'd become frustrated and exhausted that basically he was on his own because uh, he was the one ma- one man fighting against the system, and you know in the end you can't win alone. And I think he just, I think that just. In the end, I think he just had enough of that, um, and I think that I think that we'll see. It's going to come out in the next days. Um, no, I'm sure. I, th- I think it's all of the above, and he's been there for many years. And I think, at some, like I said, I think when you're at a job for four or five years and you've had great success, like he's had, and and you know your your goals and, and what you want to do changes with that, evolves with that, and and he wants to do something else, and he's tired of butting heads and fighting with. Serie A clubs, the Serie A organized Lega Calcio, he's, he's uh, not exhausted of fighting with FIGC, 
Um, and so, you know, Saudi Arabia is a different project. Uh, the Asian Cup is coming up in January, February. Um, he'll, you know, that's what, you know, he's going to be targeting with. Um, and, and of course, I think they're going to bring him up, bring him there to do, you know, to, to, to work towards the next World Cup and maybe even beyond um, until whenever Saudi can host their own World Cup, whether that's in 10 years' time or whenever that is, 10, 12 years' time or whenever that is. Yeah. Um, mm. But, I think I think he's just tired of of our arguing with people. To be honest, I think at some point you're you're you reach a point where you're like enough with this, you know, enough. Yeah, yeah, it is it is strange how things changed um, uh, very quickly. Um, but let's have a look at his legacy um, and his achievements. And obviously, you know, there is one achievement, of course, that stands out uh, and will make him a legend forever, and that is winning the Euros. Uh, in in 2020 or 2021 and I mean what an achievement I mean where he took Italy from you know failing to qualify for the 2018 World Cup a team that was in an, an embarrassment not just a national embarrassment a world embarrassment uh, a team under Ventura with no identity playing the kind of football that was stuck in the dark ages and um, no young players coming through no real hope no one had any hope none of us had hope um, especially when you marry that with the, the, the struggles of the of the Serie A and Italian football as a whole in the last decade, um, no one gave Italy any hope of of being a, a challenger for for Euro twenty twenty. Certainly not when when Mancini took over, um, and then to to go from that to winning the Euros, um, I mean, absolutely incredible. And people forget now he was the, the world record Italy have the world record unbeaten run. Uh, it went three years without defeat under Mancini from October 2018 to October 2021. People forget about that. So ju- that just shows, yes, the last two years of Mancini's reign, you know, things started to go stale, uh, things went wrong, he made some mistakes. But those first three years, Nimmer, I mean, absolutely unbelievable to, to go three years unbeaten and then to during the middle of that, to win the Euros. Um, incredible achievement. For sure. I, I think, with, you know, in his career, it's, he's got a very interesting career because if you look at how he started out and the kind of football he played when he was at Lazio or Fiorentina and Inter, um, and then how he metamorphosized, you know, changed completely into, you know, we went through this, you know, almost you know, crazy metamorphosis tactically when he came to Manchester City and started playing some sort of passing possession football where, you know, focus was more on dominating possession and, and imposing yourself on the on the opposition rather than having, you know, what he had at Lazio and Inter, which was a safety first kind of approach. I mean, at Inter, essentially, it was just Ibrahimovic and Inshallah, let's be honest. It was give it to Maicon, Maicon, go with guard, then give it to to the, the the Swedish god and hope that you win. I mean, that, that was just how Inter played for three years under him. And that's why essentially he got sacked as well because they it was dreary and unwatchable uh, in Europe and, and they didn't, and they failed continuously. Um, there was no, there was no balance and lines and, and it just didn't work. That and also, of course, he is a, he's a, he's a temperamental person, a temperamental person. I mean, he resigned at the end of, the, he said he was going to resign at the end of the season after the Liverpool loss, just 
by the way, the way he dropped it, I never forget that press conference where he goes, oh yeah, and by the way, I'm I'm leaving Inter at the end of the season, and yeah, this has nothing to do with the Mercato or anything like that, and then just walked out. Very, very matter of, very, very calmly just dropped that. And then, mm-hmm. of course, everyone's jaw dropped, and the next couple of weeks were spent trying to walk that back, and he decided to stay on. Um, and, and, and of course, you know, by then in Mourinho, uh, Moratti had contacted Mourinho and everything and the rest is history. But, um, then he goes to City and then he changes completely who he is, the tactics, how he plays. Of course, with their money, it's easier to do that with that, with, with, with that wallet than it is with, with Moratti's wallet and the Serie A's wallet, Serie A club's wallet. Um, until, you know, he goes to, you know, he went to Galatasaray, won a cup there. He was, he, he was quite a, the cup coach, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, in and, well, look and, the number of Copa Italia. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah, and also you know the Turkish Cup, and, and he won the FA Cup, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, he's, he's he's a cup coach, and then when you take that into you know he goes to Inter, he does a decent job. Uh, the year and a half he was there, um, got fed up with 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 the chaos that was, walked out. Um, De Boer came in, ruined everything. Uh, Suning stepped in because they'd already bought the club, but they weren't our hands on. Suning step in, throw out Tohir and his his ilk, um, and and then you know we're from here. But then you know if you look at when he takes over Italy, um, and where Italy were, like you said, and to where they ended, it was to me, in my opinion, that Azzurri team, um, that what for me that that those two years, those two and a half years, leading you know going you know leading to the. European Championship win. I think those are his the greatest achievement he has had in his career. Of course. Because and and he has a lot of achievements. Let's not forget about that. But what he did there is 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 the uh, the high mark, the high point of of everything he's ever done. Mm. And 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 I think this might be it. I don't think we will see Roberto Mancini coaching another big side i don't think we'll see mancini coaching another big big national team in the sense like the traditional sense of brazil or argentina or germany or italy or france or england or anything like that i think he now goes to saudi arabia to try to win the asian cup and then from then on i think we're talking about someone who will take more direct you know technical appointments and that kind of thing i don't think we'll see him mm. On the pitches after the Saudi Arabia. Well, it depends how long he plans to stay at Saudi Arabia. I mean, uh, seven years until they potentially host the, the World Cup. I don't think he's going to be there seven years. That's the point, isn't it? So. Uh, yeah, but I don't think he's going to be there seven years. I do think that he will go there to over the Asian Cup, which we know Saudi want to win, um, and also the next World Cup. I think that's the those are the main things, the, the main targets. Mm. Yeah, and what are your most memorable moments? From Mancini in a in a in Italy as the coach of Italy. I mean, from I, the Euros, he, there's obviously so many from the Euros. Yeah, but for but. me, it's his Azzurri revolution when he took over. Um, and he, you know, because I remember, I was I, I was tweeting about this when he took over. I was very very happy that he was the appointment, and I was not there was not many very many people who were happy except with me. Uh, and the reason that I was very very happy and I knew that he was going to do well is because I've seen him. He he works well with youth. Um, and he's 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 not afraid to give young players chances and important you know moments. Um, he's given unknown players their de- Serie A debuts and Milan derbies. You know, Nyokori, for example. Uh, I was there 
it was it was crazy like who who's starting um it was it was was weird everyone in the press box he does have a good eye for a talent we've seen that in Mm. the transfer market like he's always he's always identified players as a club coach even like if you look at Manchester City the players that he Mm. bought for Manchester City he's always had an excellent eye for for a talent he's always been able to let's remember he was also the guy he's also the guy who gave a 17 year old Mario Balotelli his debut against Juve in the Coppa Italia and he scores twice yeah he is unbelievable in that aspect but mm. for me, the most his Azzurri revolution is, and, and the midfield, the way that he structured this four-three-three and the possession-based football, and Taylor building a Taylor. Yeah, nobody for, thought that Jorginho and Verratti could work together. Well, that's what I'm, that's nobody, exactly what I was going to get. Nobody, nobody. Taylor-made role for Verratti and Jorginho in midfield um, was was truly, truly, truly remarkable, and the way that they could retain possession and. And and so for yeah. me, it's 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 his um, it's everything. It's it's the Azzurri revolution that he that he took over. And he, yeah, and it was all deserved that, as well. You know, it wasn't a fluke. It was you know you don't go three years unbeaten. Uh, by no, 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 no. There was structure. He built something uh, for three years. He built structure. a, a fantastic it, team that were the best team at the Euros. Italy were the best team no, at the no Euros. Um, they no deserved to win the Euros. They had a, a little bit of fortune, of course, if you win two penalty shootouts. But you don't win a tournament. Without a bit of a bit of luck, uh, if you win two penalty shootouts, you you've had a bit of luck. But they were the best team at the tournament. They played the best football uh, at the tournament, uh, which you don't usually say about Italy. It's, you know, Italy national teams—they're not usually teams that are good on the eye. Uh, well, that's and, well. That depends on what your definition of beauty is. I think the most beauty, you know, for me, I I love that attacking Euro beauty, 2000. attacking beauty. Yeah. Let's say attacking beauty. Offensive for me, Euro two thousand, that Italy side in Euro two thousand with that defense of Nesta, Cannavaro, Maldini, Juliano, Zambrotta is is truly unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, well, let's say let's reframe that as attacking beauty, yeah. uh, modern attacking yeah. beauty. Yeah. But uh, here's the thing. And, like he, what he does for me, like that's what I'm saying. Like the fact that he changed not just Italian perceptions of Italy and what Italian football and Italian national team is, but also foreign ones as well. A lot of people were completely surprised by Italy. Who don't, who, you know, people who don't tune in to football that much, they were like, "Whoa!" Since when did Italy start playing like that, like this? I mean, yeah. just the opening night. Um, yeah. But the embrace with Vialli, the crying, those two. Yeah, absolutely. The embrace with Vialli, I think, is the moment. If we're talking about Mancini Mancini himself, yeah, absolutely iconic. That is. Uh, And obviously with Vialli then passing on not long after, um, you know, 18 months or so after, then, you know, Mm. of course, that that is even more poignant. Um, But so so many great memories from from those Euros. you know the, the the that opening night, which was beautiful, with the with the opening um, uh, ceremony and the, mm. the the who was it the singer um, Bocelli, uh, Bocelli, Andrea Bocelli, and then all the way through, you know, Chiesa's winner against Austria, the Insigne against Belgium, Jorginho's penalty against Spain, uh, and then of course the final. I mean, Saka. That is the most memorable moment from that final, even though it was like, (laughs) it's just Italian old school, you know, defending just on the line, you know, getting a yellow card. That's not a red card offense, but that is a yellow card offense if there ever was one. And and to do it the way he just shamelessly did it. No, all the memes after the final as well, a lot of them involving Mancini, like Mancini is the queen and. And uh, Mancini is the uh, what was it? The Braveheart as uh, yeah. William Wallace from Braveheart, <laughs> and you know all that kind of stuff. I mean, 
it was, no, it was magical. A, it was. And, and he's... But just I, before I've, we move on, just before I have we to move say, on. though, on a personal thing, I think he's one of the most elegant and uh, elegant human beings I've ever met and, and ever had the chance to ask a question of. He's so... He, he just... When he's... He's just a gentle... Like, he's, he's got this kind of, like, superstar aura about him, <laughs> you know? Um, every, when he walks into a room... Um, and he's he's very he's, he's uh, I'm I'm gonna miss him Italian football because he's also a, a rebel as well, you know he he's he doesn't you know if you look at his own playing career and, and the kind of player he was no he no he not. was a very he's very uh, emotional and impulsive uh, person uh, he was he is a rebel and, he is a rebel and he goes his own way and if he's not happy with something he explodes uh, but I mean like Sven Goran Eriksson said that you know when he's been on our podcast twice that look. Mancini was already a coach when I when I had him as a player. <laughs> he said he used to ask me details if you know about Sven used to say this told us that you know he asked me details. Uh, but basically, Sven said at Sampdoria already he let him run the training sessions. Hmm. Yeah. Just before we just before we move on to look at who could replace him, um, we have to obviously touch on kind of what he did wrong and his failures and disappointments of his spell because you know. There is one big elephant in the room, and that is that he, despite winning the Euros, he he failed to qualify Italy for the World Cup. We've we've gone into that kind of you know why that happened. Um, some of it was bad luck. Some of it was um, you know Mancini making mistakes, and I think he did make some mistakes in those second two years. And I think he made the the classic mistake that's mm. often made by Italian national team coaches in the past, in that he held on for too long to to certain players from that Euro winning team. And Bonucci, I guess, Leonardo Bonucci is the the, 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 the player that, that stands out the most, but there were others as well. And that is, um, yeah, that I think that cost him as well. Even now, if we're looking at why he's resigned, I, I do think that that's played a part, hasn't it? Mm, absolutely. Uh, you can't get past that because a lot of that was, it was a silly thing too as well, because it was just, they had match point, three match points, didn't they? And they, you know, use it continuously using Jorginho as your penalty taker, this ridiculous stubbornness, which he had at Inter as well, or throughout his coaching career, which used to be like, there's no need, like you turn small, insignificant details into, you know, battles of you know morality of life and death it doesn't need to be that it's just in your head you know you just make a minor tweak to 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 refresh things and stay you know stay with things everything does not need to be you know you don't have to go to war you don't have to die on every hill and and that's a little bit mancini as well he he does pick like many coaches great coaches they pick peculiar hills to die on and he picked a really weird hill to die on with Bonucci, Jorginho as a penalty taker and stuff like that. Yeah, and I also think that the lack of a plan B um, also, I do feel like Italy started to become found out, like their, their style of play, their little movements, um, you know, teams work them out after a while. Well, of course, that happens Euros, to everyone. That and they, and they became sterile. And that's why, yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's why the great coaches, the greatest coaches always you know especially in modern football this is probably more true in modern football they they have to reinvent 
and tweak their 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 their, their tactics and their movements. And Can, Pep anyone, has anyone ever been better than this than Sir Alex Ferguson and Pep Guardiola in the modern era? Well, I, I mean, think Pep Guardiola just, absolutely the best. I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson Ber- used to tweak Ferguson, and change all the time towards the. I mean, he won a title with a team that last season where that was. I mean that yeah. that that team was barely seventh. Ferguson changes players a lot. But Ferguson would would change players. This is something like the great Juventus did in the nineties. They would often change their players because they they felt that players would lose that. And this was more probably more down to players losing their their um, their determination and their hunger, and they they would sell sell those players on and bring in new ones. Ferguson would do that a lot as well. He would sell players on, bring in new squads, and he was great at uh, you know creating totally new teams that would still go on and win. Uh, whereas I think Pep Guardiola, what he is brilliant at is he is a genius. I mean, he's the best coach of his generation. There's no doubt about that. At, you know, just tweaking certain things on the pitch. Like, for example, last season, bring you know, the inverted mm. fullbacks, p- putting John Stones into a central midfield position or the, or the right and left fullbacks coming into midfield. And, you know, things like that, you know, that is what, uh, Guardiola's doing and that's something that Mancini wasn't able to do he, he you know Italy became sterile they couldn't score they couldn't create chances we know they have a problem in attack but I think that was more down to teams just had worked out all their movements they knew all the patterns of play they knew where the players were going and that needed to be changed and he did try and change that in the last few months too late like went going to like a 3-4-3 3-5-2 but it didn't really work uh, and maybe that's why it potentially could be a good thing that he's moved on, that now Italy will have someone fresh, someone new uh, to give to, to the opponents will have to try and work out. Uh, the question is, though, of course, uh, and the key thing will be, who replaces Mancini? Because this will be key in determining whether it can be a good thing for Italy that Mancini has moved on. Uh, so the, the, the front runner at the moment is Luciano Spalletti. Um, the issue with him is that he has a three million clause, which Aurelia De Laurentiis has put in. That if if Italy want, or any other team wants to sign him now this season, um, they'll have to pay three million. Um, so there's Spalletti, well, Antonio that's Conte. That's something that has to be able to be negotiated. I mean, the reason he put that in is because he didn't want him to go to another Serie A side, which I understand. Yeah. But this is Italian national team. And I think that is just, you know, Aurelio needs to, there he can back off, I think, no? We hope I mean, so. <laughs> we hope he's not. But we know De Laurentiis. Yeah, but I mean, for the love of God, this is a national team. It's not a direct rival. It doesn't impact you in any shape, size or form. This is silly. Yeah. Um, it's it's, it's yeah. a silly. I get the clause to protect you going into the season. I get that. Absolutely. But we're talking about a national team level. It's got nothing to do with club football. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So there's only two qualified candidates, basically. Luciano Spalletti and Antonio Conte that, that are available. Then we come to the other names that have been bandied about. Fabio Cannavaro, Daniele De Rossi, Rina Gattuso, Fabio Grosso, due to his very, very close friendship with Flavina. So watch out for Grosso if we know anything. We've learned anything from Italian football. And then, of course, Max Allegri, who was heavily linked in the days leading up to... Uh, um, no, to, uh, I don't to, see Juve allowing Allegri to leave a couple of weeks before the season starts. It's just not going to happen. Um, well, a few days, but yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so anyway, the FIGC say they're going to um, they're going to make a decision in the next few days. 
So for me, there's only one man I want, and that's Luciano Spalletti. Yes, Spalletti, without a doubt. Um, and the three million, they need to sit down with De Laurentiis and, and basically sort that out somehow because it's, uh, you know, if we're talking about the good of Italian football and, and the national team, Spalletti is, is, the, is the perfect candidate. He's at the right age. He's coming off the back of his greatest achievement to crown a fantastic career by winning the Scudetto with, with, with Napoli. He plays a football that is the natural continuation of what Mancini tried to build on. Um, it's, it's the next step, if you will. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's also in his 60s. Uh, this would be a way, and he's also, you know, the, he. I think he's also the kind of character that could unite all of Italian, all of Italy, and Italian football behind a banner, because uh, we've seen him do it at his clubs. Um, and and the character he is, he's very charming, a bit crazy. People like that. He's a little bit of an oddball. No, I, I think Spalletti just ticks every box. I really do. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree for all that, all those reasons. Um, I want Spalletti over Conte. For, for starters, I think Conte will be too no. expensive. Conte's yeah, salary no. will be too expensive for starters. Um, but um, I want, yeah, I want a continuation of Mancini's vision of how yeah. football should be played. I don't want them going to to a Conte who will come in with a back three, uh, play a three five two or three four three, and and you know. I just think Spalletti makes sense the way that the football. I I, I think that the adaptation to, to Spalletti um, will be smoother. And we've got to remember, you know, we've got we've got World Cup qualifiers in a few weeks. This is not good timing, and we have to win these games. Uh, yeah. Euro qualifiers, sorry, in in a few weeks we have to win these you matches. Otherwise, you just Antonio Conte would be again throwing everything out and bringing him in again. You know how he is. You know how volatile he is. You know how how emotional and moody he is. And you've only got three weeks to do it. And he's going to start arguing yeah. with everything under the, everyone and everything under the sun. Uh, you're yeah. going to restart. And also, everything. exactly. And I think Spalletti's more fitted to this so-called, we'll see, so-called, uh, you know, vision uh, project for the future, yeah. which Mancini has, you know, tried to put into place, trying to mm. make it to be, you know. M- progressive and modern uh, and not saying Conte isn't but I'm saying that he, he will come in and, and I think disrupt that uh, to do to, to play and to manage in the way that it's a completely style of football it's it's yeah. his calcio verticale which is very rigid and system based in that sense it's not as fluid it's much more it's more like a marching band and Mancini and Spalletti is more more uh, progressive rock, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it's just, a, you know, <laughs> Conte, boom, boom, boom. You know, you go there, A, B, C. Like, it's very, very system-based. And and what we've got there is is you've got possession-based football. It's much more fluid. It's much more flowing. And and Spalletti, you know, con- is, is, you know is a continuation of that, uh, of, of what Mancini has put there, although it's slightly different, um, of course, in, in how they play. But no, for me, for me, it's got to be Spalletti and and Aurelio. For the love of God, this is preventing the national team from having a coach for three million euros. Like, sort yourself out, mate. Yeah, let's 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 hope, let's hope, because if we cannot be going with someone, as much as I love them as players, legends, uh, we cannot be going with with, with Cannavaro, De Rossi. De Rossi. I mean, that would just be, it would just be disastrous. <laughs> I mean, it's, really well. it's, it's a ridiculous. De Rossi and Cannavaro are not at that level. Grosso did well, if I'm not mistaken. He got Frosinone 
promoted from the Serie A, Serie B last yeah, season. We're talking, you know, we're talking qualifications. Exactly. And, yeah. Yes, as a player, but I mean, I've, and also he, none of those guys, especially De Rossi and Grosso, they're you know they're in the beginning of their careers. They should. You know, let them grow. We, we, we don't want to burn out coaches this early in their career like Juve did with Andrea Pirlo. You know, you don't. we never know what could have happened with that career if he had time to grow and mature as a coach. Putting Grosso mm. in charge of the national team and him flopping would be... Would, no, would it would be another Roberto Donadoni from Euro 2008. That's the kind of appointment that it'd be. You know, you just don't make that kind of appointment. No. Unless you really are trying to cut costs and, not, and, and pay a really small salary 